ihe gua na kowa abiageri hi everyone Welcome to another episode of Thoughts and Tea, Tea and Tea with your girl, T. <laughs> you guys know I'm very deliberate with the kinds of songs I choose for this podcast. And no, I don't understand what's being sang, but I feel it's appropriate for the kind of mood we've all been in these last couple of weeks, especially after the transitioning of our brother, Chadwick Boseman. We haven't lost him. He's just gone to watch over. You know? Save us from all this madness going on. He is resting in power. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Thoughts and Tea as we conclude the second episode of our community series with our much more mature man. The last time we met a couple of weeks ago, they were giving us some deep perspective of what it meant to be a man from their point of view. And we were blessed to have the perspective from Africa and America. So, aka the diaspora. We are continuing and concluding this conversation with them today. But we are not done with the community series because there is so much more I have in store for you. Remember, the point of this is to get a better understanding of each other as black people so we can think of how we can grow together. After all, it takes a village, right? To do any damn thing, really. Uh, if you haven't listened to this album, it's called Roots and it's by The Cavemen. You can find them on Spotify, on YouTube, wherever. They are amazing. If you want some authentic African music, listen to this. But until then, enjoy the conversation. I'm trying to do, I'm not going to do anything to empower him to do anything that is harmful to me. I have my family back in Africa. So where we have all of this, there's a language say it's it's why and why I can't get of radio. You know, like when the when it's hot. You sip it, gradually you blow, you sip. By the time you get to the middle, it's, 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 it's a little bit lukewarm. You know, then you can gulp it. So that's, you de-escalate when it's hot. You must have that mentality. It doesn't make you weak. And then if you have connect and if, if you have economic powers, you know, you have the media and it is always good to reverse it. Because I, let me be honest with you, um, the, the, 
the black man and the black woman. So they say in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he created man, you know, if we go further, for me, he chiseled the African, you know, like we have all of it set. So physically, physically, when you see the African, be it a woman or a man, and they were designed in such a way that the white people go to meet uh, surgical, uh, whatever, I mean, like doctors to get their bodies together. I'm not saying that you don't have black women do that or black men do that, but basically, I mean, in a scale of one to 10, you know, seven plus are already sculpted. So for me, I don't feel, I don't see um, the next person I'm trying to look onto him, whom I think is more beautiful than me to imitate. I have my own beauty anyway. So, but I, I need to have that confidence constantly. That is, it doesn't make me weak. That's what I'm trying to tell people listening to this but it doesn't make you weak in any way to stoop to conquer it doesn't don't try to impress your your girlfriend or your boyfriend don't try to impress the crowd you know because you know you want to you want to you want to feel that you know you're a man about town a girl about town trust me when the shit boom everybody scatters and they just hold you by your and they take you away and then in retrospect you wish you could rewind the hands of the clock for you not to have taken the action that took you to jail in the first place. <laughs> took us to church. Amen. Hallelujah. Like, honestly, I cannot wait to have you guys with the young guys. Oh, my God. I can just imagine how epic it will be. But let's just keep going. Anyway, so the next question is, with regards to society, you know, just society and community, what are some of the expectations that they have of you in order to validate your manhood, um, be it positive or negative. And so just pretty much state your point on these expectations and how helpful or how damaging are they to you? Well, at this point, I really don't care how what people think. <clears throat> I don't. You know, I'm too self-confident about who I am. Okay. And I've done too much work. I've invested too much time to, to discover me to let one person unravel that. I will not allow that at all. And um, that's the issue is I'm not trying to please everybody. If you try to please everybody, you will be unsuccessful because then you have to cater to everybody's wishes and whims, which is incredible. It's impossible. How am I let somebody who don't even know themselves try to impress me to be something they want me to be? They don't know themselves. So... To me, mm -mm. I've invested too much time and too much internal work to let someone who haven't even discovered themselves to try to define me and make something, make me something that I'm not. I will not allow that. And I'm very firm on that. And that's, I will not negotiate it at all. I'm very clear. That's a great place to be. Have you always been in this place though? No, that's what I'm saying. I, that was a work in progress because when I was growing up, I always wanted to be fit in. And the way you fit in is basically how people like you. You did what they wanted you to do. You know what I'm saying? You took on roles that really wasn't you, but you wanted to be accepted by the masses. You know, if you look at any historical leader, they were always not embraced in the beginning. I don't care who you look at, any figure. They were not popular at the beginning. But when people understood what they were standing on, the principles, then people embraced them. But at the beginning... 
They were always like, like that, but they had this intrinsic strength, this internal power that superseded what people thought about them. I'm not going to, again, it was a work in progress. I still work on it, but I'm much better because I've been living long enough. I always tell young people, I was your age, you were never my age. So I've learned some things, and that's not to discount who they are, because I want young people to embrace themselves, but embrace themselves without being authentic on who they are, not based on societal roles and definitions, which is detrimental to your spiritual well-being. So it takes time. But you have to be patient with yourself. You have to have the vision. You have to have a reason to want to know who you are. And once you know who you are, then you define the motion picture that you want to appear in. Nobody gives that role to you. You define it. Okay. So first of all, you know, if you have to say your first obligation in life is to yourself and on order. You know, so if you have to be obligatory to the sets of people that you have to be to, which is responsibility, so to speak, then probably growing up could be your parents and what do they expect of you is for you to be a better person than they are. That's, that's one. And if you have a family, then you'd be responsible you know, to them, uh, make sure you have things. I believe in equality of sexes anyway. So I don't believe that um, uh, the things that are peculiar to me as a man, as much as there are to my wife as a woman. And I know that we can balance, you know, both ways. It's not compulsory that I need to do all of the things <clears throat> that you think that, that you believe are masculine or the things that you believe are feminine. And for that same reason, we're going to go grow apart, you know, with those responsibilities. But it's a teamwork. It's a, it's a collaboration, and that makes it work for, uh, for me. Care, I don't care what you think or what you say. What matters most is what I do. And if what I'm doing is based on the principles or facts that I know, then the middle finger goes up, you know, because really... You know, I, I, I for one, I, I believe, like I said, it's the facts will be there. I'm not a bandwagoner. I don't do bandwagon stuff. And I've had an experience before where I had joined a riot. Um, just like uh, Douglas said about the civil rights movement, where they need to teach you. Then they didn't teach us. You know, somebody came and in the enthusiasm of the moment, you know, we all joined the riot. And then when... I was called aside, you know, to talk about why I was on the street rioting. You know, I made a mockery of the riot of myself because, you know, I just joined the bandwagon without even knowing why I was there. And that was, and don't forget, I was even in my first year in the university and that changed me completely. And I said to myself, till tomorrow, and I teach that to my kids, never get involved in what you don't have the facts together. Speak if you have the facts. If you don't, listen. We measure. If you find it wanting, then just toss it away. If not, Google it. And if there are conspiracy, conspiracy theories online, you will know. Go back and trace the conversations before now, and then you'll get the facts. When you have the facts, then you can make your argument straight on. So... Um, I, I don't, I'm not pressured. Like I remember when I had my kid, my, my daughter was nine years older than her brothers. You know, my wife was a bit pressured because, you know, I don't know. I was okay. I was content. And that's why my, 
my daughter's name, Amoni, means contentment. You know, like, that's her name. I'm content. I'm down. You don't have anything worthy of me, you know, to be jealous of. So I'm cool. And my name, Yibo, means, you know, like, like say, he who has, um, I've said in Pigeon, for instance, that's bomb picking, not being created. So the, the mother of the child is not the creator of the child. Therefore, the destiny of the child does not lie in the hands of the mother. You know, so, you know, so like Shakespeare would say, I know we're black, but let's read a little bit of Shakespeare. You know, so the destiny lies in your hands, you know, the man. Even there in the Bible, you go through it. So I am not, let's do things that are right for your fellow man. As I said, live at peace with the next person. So being at peace with the next person allows you to know that which is right to do. It might sound ideally, but I'm telling you that works for me anyway. You know, I'm not saying that I have not tried growing up to be like my neighbor's uh, son because they had this blah, blah, blah. But as we grow up, you know the right thing is that never, I repeat, never look onto him whom you think is more beautiful than you and imitate. For in you, you have your own beauty. All you need to do is discover it. So the guy could be an athlete, right? And... um he could be like the best. You might be ugly. They say that's why beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder, you know? And never try to own, never try to own anything in life to possess it. If not, you become enslaved to it. So once you try to possess anything, be it education, be it your wife, be it the athlete, you know, you become a slave. And then you, you begin to see things from one point of view. You don't, you don't know what is happening around you. So I don't need anybody to validate what I do. Is, is it right? So apply the four rules of, uh, of um, four, um, what do you call them again? Rotary, yes. So go for it. You know the four, um, you know the four, the four ways, um, Rotary, I don't let me Google this, man. You know that? Four-way test, the four-way test. No. Uh, oh, the four-way test of Rotary. Oh, wow. That's, trust me, it's, it's amazing that you should know it. It says the four-way test is of the things we think, we say, or do, is it the truth? Is it fair to all consent? Oh, so I'm looking for, this is a bit, um, sorry, I'm trying to, okay, is it the the four ways of root is it, of the things we think, say, and do. One, is it the truth? Two, is it fair to all concerned? Three, will it build goodwill and better friendships? Four, will it be beneficial to all concerned? So, I mean, that four-way test, you know, becomes more like, you know, what it is. Although it is a four-way test of rotary, but again, it's a test for mankind. It's a test for me. You know, as much as I will try my best, I know I'm not, um, I'm human anyway, but I would rather say sorry for my wrong than get puffy on it instead. You know, I'd rather make peace than war. So T, it doesn't bother me, you know, do what is right. Understand it first and then do it. If you do it out of ignorance and you're wrong, accept your ignorance 
and then know the facts and do the right. That was it's only when you're constantly doing the wrong thing because you're trying to impress people. You know, they want you to go to school. You don't know medicine, but you want to be a doctor because someone wants you to be a doctor. You're going to find a miserable life being a doctor anyway. You might end up one day killing all your 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 patients because you're angry with, <laughs> with life, you know. So do that what makes you happy. That's it. But see, yeah, when you but also okay, when you're young and you don't you don't have anything to your name and someone is your benefactor and they want you to go to school and become that doctor, are you going <laughs> so, so so let's go. I was I they wanted me to do to be an is it aeronautic engineer to know how to fix uh, planes, yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah. I, mm-hmm. I told you I would listen to the news, therefore I was I was tilted towards literature. You know, that's still tomorrow I read. I have, a, I have a very good, decent library. I read, I went to the library. I'm at the age of 10, 9, 10, I had gone myself to register at the state library board. I had started reading um, any blighting series, Hop, Skip, and Jump. Then we went to Famous Five. Back then, when we had the um, annuals for Marvel Comics, you know, then Stan Lee, that name Stan Lee was just, you know, like, you can imagine in the 70s then, you know, where we had the Black Panther, you guys, everybody's jumping on right now. We were reading those things, but they came like, we'll queue to read those things. So if we had an annual, Incredible Hulk, you know, like, you can imagine here, Tintin, um, Obelix and Asterix, we will queue to read those things, you know, so... I had already, I, I knew that was where I was going to. So when they wanted me to study uh, to physics, chemistry, and mathematics, I wasn't, I wasn't good, trust me. I would burn the house if I had to do anything with that. I, I didn't know much about all of titrations or all of those things, you know, I couldn't mix jack. But I knew how to read. I could see, I could play with my imagination. You know, when I read, and that's how you knew about America, you know, because we kept reading, you see America in your mind's eye, you want to go to America in your mind's eye. Like Majek said, we never knew there were beggars on the streets of America or New York. No, now because it was more like a holy land. Sorry, um, I just went, oh, sorry, uh, Douglas, T, yeah. I understand, we just took the light so she knows that. So it's t- <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Nepal's work. <laughs> so, as a blackout, they're going to come. They're going to switch on to the generators now. Now I wasn't. They wanted me to do that, but I was focused. I was focused, you know. And back in the day, we'd walk. I don't know how it is now, you know. That we we do our jobs, and it wasn't too expensive now to go to school back then. So even when there was a common ground for them, they wanted me to now study law. You know, as I told you, I did with my my uncle. He wanted me to study law because I mean who wanted to be a theater practitioner. I mean, like, it was a joke to be um, a, a theater artist in Africa. You know, like, you got an act drama on stage, you decrease, you think you're in, 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 in Hollywood or in, on Broadway or West End. In Africa, man, that only irresponsible never do well that will do uh, all of it. But today, I'm, I'm, I'm the one who is laughing. Mm-hmm. The, the stone is now the cornerstone, you know. So that's it. They say whatever that is vividly imagined, vividly imagined, ardently desired, sincerely believed, 
must inevitably come to pass. I believed in what I wanted to do and I stuck to it. And I learned a lot to see how I could have bankable assets to what I'm doing, you know, monetize my commodities as a theater practitioner, you know, so that I could use the monetization to grow wealth for my family and my community. And that's what I'm doing. Mr. Gatis, I'm glad you mentioned about being an artist. Can I go there? I want, you took me somewhere. Um, yeah, go, go. <laughs> and you know, the cultural arts is very important because it keeps the legacy and the historical identity of a people alive. For example, African dance now is being studied around the world. You got people in Japan studying African dance. You got, of course, a lot of Europeans who are interested in dance, African dance, because they see the power in that. If you don't have the arts, that's one way that we keep our culture. Even in Western society, they look at the Greeks and they look at their, their art as a way to indicate the sophistication of a culture. You know, the sophistication of a culture through its arts. And again, without the arts, we don't keep the alive who we are as a people. So even like with Capoeira, in Capoeira, we tell the history about who we were before we came to Brazil. It's embedded in the art form. In dance, you find the freedom expressing who you are. So you can't dance like someone else. A true artist is always identifying the true nature of who they are internally. So we have to push that because if so many people who don't look like us are studying our art forms, and now they're defining it. Appropriation of that form because we see yes. that as something that is not bankable or something that is not, in the spiritual sense, if you're a Christian, you know, your art form becomes devilish or juju, as they say, mm -hmm. and then you run away from that, and then they appropriate it, and then they discover it for you, really. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 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 Because they see the power in it. The power is in the art form. And anybody who's trying to keep you under their rule, they don't want anything that will empower you. That's only psychologically makes sense. If I don't want you to be you, I have to give you something that makes you not you and don't appreciate you and don't love you. So if I see that empowers you, I'm going to try to dismantle that. And that happened, and it still happens today. But the same people come back and want to embrace what you do. Yeah. That's a, that's a deep thing. When I'm good, my mother never hears it, but when I'm bad, she does. So when you're good, you're like, everybody's delight. <laughs> Once you're bad. <laughs> Man. Ugh. Anyway, so now let's go to some of the lighter questions, okay? <laughs> um, with the young men, I asked them what some of the generalizations of the men were. <laughs> and I had a field day with that question because they were like, <laughs> um, according to, well, in a nutshell, they were just saying that we generalize that, you know, men are no good and men are this and men are that. So what are some of these stereotypes and generalizations that you've heard about men? Give us examples and whether you agree or disagree with them. <laughs> uh, irresponsible. Um, not keeping his word. Um, always trying to get over on somebody. So those are some of the stereotypes. You know? 
And probably if it gets perpetuated through, through the media, right? Particularly with black men, you can't trust them. They're violent. <laughs> They're always up to something. Um, they don't care about education. They don't care about family. They make babies that they don't take care of. So these are the negative connotations that comes with being, quote unquote, a black man in this country or a black young man. Those are the stereotypes. And that's, again, perpetuated through the media. You know, I, don't, I definitely disagree with all of that, but I'm only answering your question. <laughs> I know better. <laughs> yeah, so um, here would be more like, you know, the chase to more cats, you know, your promiscuous, your Randy, you can keep one woman at a time. You're a player, you know. So all of those things call on that being irresponsible anyway. You know, so um, that's what it is, you know. Because um, I come from the River Ride area, you know. So, you know, if you go to my shirt, I said the original water side boy. So the same thing they say. Uh, I remember when I was to get married, the same thing, you know, they would ascribe to my people, you know, oh, you know, because like I said, if you're not married to, um, you, you have a child out of wedlock, the child still, you know, has the full rights of the mother's family. But in some cultures, if that happens, you know, then that child is taken away as an illegitimate child. And you will not have all of the things that you have. So you know that it, 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 it's, it's a bit depend on the culture. So I have this, I have to say this all the time. So when I was in school, I had my best friends were four. Let me don't call their names because I love to call their names anyway. So the four girls, let me don't call them. But I, I when I was to get married and my father-in-law um, brought up this question again that, my people that are very promiscuous, you know, they're responsible and they would like to have kids out of wedlock and, you know, all of those things. So I said, well, I was born. I don't know what happened to my parents. I, I was, I just knew I was born. So I'm not going to go into all of those conversations with you in terms of wanting to uh, uh, let you define who I am. You know, I'm human and I was born and I know that I love your daughter and, and that's it. But the key is, now the question is rhetorical. So with my five friends that were from the eastern part, the Igbo-speaking area, and myself from the south, uh, south, and they're from the southeast. So if a child gets pregnant, okay, let's get the morality code now, uh, T. If a child, if a girl child is pregnant, mm-hmm. And the mother knows she's pregnant, but because of the whole stuff about tradition, blah, 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 she goes behind to see a doctor and they do an abortion. Whether the child wants it or not, but traditionally, you're supposedly you know, clean up until you're, you get married because once you're born out of wedlock, then yes, it becomes like it's going to be a disgrace to your family, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And then on the other hand, where, you know, they're a little bit more liberal, so to speak. So if you're pregnant and they notice you throwing up, vomiting and all this stuff, your mother knows that you're pregnant. She said, ah, oh, you went to see a boy. You will have that child. <laughs> now, now, I'm just saying that in the eyes of man. So I ask you now, having an abortion, whether you wanted it or not, or having the child, whether you wanted it or not, mm. who is to blame here? So this argument, we continue, trust me, we'll go on with this argument. You know? So, and so these are the things that, you know, so why, why, why? So everything you do in life, you know, like, so what's your watch one? It's not just the four-way test. I mean, your experience shapes you in life. It could be bitter all through your life. And that's why one of the major things in life is forgiveness. And that's why the forgiven, you know, feels free as opposed to the forgiver who after forgiving somebody, you know, is still bitter by the same thing that I have said to you, I've forgiven you for. So that means when you go back, you're still going to have a blood pressure up because you're still bitter for forgiving the person. You've probably forgiven the person in the public space. Now the person goes on free of the acrimony or the bitterness that had ensued before you had forgiven the person. So it's, it's, it's a strange, it's, it's these things you ask sometimes, you know, you know, the balance, I think generationally, and like I said, when you're brought up in a home with many years of cultured living, the question is, what is culture? How viable is the culture in the contemporary environment? So why would I want to live a copycat life, you know, about validation or where we are today with the stereotype, you know, yeah, the man lives, so if he has interest, he has five women, you know. Oh, yeah, you know that's what it is. It's a character trait. You, you find out that this particular man ain't like five girls. That doesn't mean that the 10 other ones do the same thing. So why would you judge the other 10 based on the handicaps of one guy? If the whole world is polygamous, then it's normal. If it's traditionally for them to be polygamous, and then you go to a place where they're monogamous, then you can now say, oh, monogamous, no, in my town, we married 10 wives. It's our tradition. But you, you may have one at home, but you have like 50 outside until you get caught. And then when you get caught, maybe others get angry. Oh, I thought I was the only one that you had <laughs> while you were. They all come out from all of... <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Everybody thought they were the only one. Hey, hell, okay, now, now we're talking about equality. Actually, no equity. If someone can have 10 wives in their village, why can't me have 10 husbands? Oh, so you see, that's it. It's all, so it depends on thing. So <laughs> if you have one, if it's one man for one, like I said, it, the responsibility is you. Society and life, the, the basic laws and rules of, 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 of engagement, you know, that shall not kill. So by faith, you follow. But morally, again, that shall not kill. How you're influenced by, you know, that's why sometimes when Africans go to America or Europe and get married there, when they have their kids, you know, they try their best to see how they can, you know, instill in their kids what they know culturally. And that becomes in conflict with society where they are already. Mm -hmm. And that conflict becomes a little bit more because 
trying to correct a child in the African way is more love. As we say, spare the rod to spoil the child. You prefer uh-huh. to you prefer people to want to kill us. Why? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just saying, I mean that I mean like now it, it doesn't happen anymore. You know, but I'm just saying that, yeah, maybe when you look at it critically, some people might have flogged you, you know, in such a way that it was an abuse, you know. But like I said, back in the day, the community was responsible for the child, not just the parent of that child. You know, so if you're doing wrong and your neighbor sees that they are going to school, you or report you or do something, you know, now you mind your business. The child might just come when you're sleeping and, you know, threaten you with all kinds of things for coming into the child's space or the other, whatever, you know, it's, 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 the world is, it's, it's forever evolving anyway. So what was, what the truth is constant. They say what was what is true or what was true thousands of years ago is still the truth today, tomorrow and years to come. Lies will die, illusions will fade, delusions will disappear, but the truth is constant. And the truth says, do unto no man what you not have done unto yourself. And that's the truth. So you want to talk about the next person that is uh, is Randy, is blah, 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 blah. What if you basically lie on a fragment of an existing truth? In this you might call it hyperbole, exaggeration of the truth. So they might say, ah, do you know that uh, Mr. Douglas and uh, and Mr. Yibo and uh, T, they were doing podcasts? That's that's the truth. Now they go and, and expand it. Oh, they were doing threesome in the process. No, that's a lie. <laughs> but they have established the fact that we are together. The rest is your imagination because they, they milk it. And that's what we now spread. And that's what you guys are doing in America, right? You guys can just tell stories all over the place. <laughs> but there's some truth in there. You just said that's it. What that's what I mean. That's what I mean. What percentage? The truth is constant. I mean, the truth is, no matter how you lay the dirt of lies on the truth, one day it will evaporate and the truth will come out. But some people cling on to the lie. Because that's what they want to believe as the truth. And the greatest lie a man tells is when he tells himself a lie. Aha. <laughs> you have anything, any comeback from that? <laughs> that was My- good. Okay. All right. So we're actually getting to the end of the question list. I'm so proud of us. Um, so the other one is... What does being successful as a man mean to you? Well, for me, being successful is really being at peace with yourself on your own personal accomplishments. It's not predicated on an expectation. Um, And so it's not, for me, again, this is for me, it's not defined by how many cars I have, how much money I make. I'm not saying those things are not important, but those things don't last forever um, because when you leave, you can't take anything that you earn except yourself. So for me, is to success means to really know who you are and be confident and happy about where you are and not always using somebody else's measuring stick to judge you on what they think success is. It is self-fulfilling um, and, is, again, it's based on your terms. Yeah. So success is, um, you know, something that you have to define yourself. You know, 
what 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 bars have you raised for yourself? You know, sometimes yeah, society will raise the bar, community will raise the bar. You know, but what what have you done for yourself? What have you raised? What is your success margin? So the same thing comes back to me saying, never look onto him whom you think is more beautiful than you and imitate. For in you, you have your own beauty. So have you discovered your beauty? Your beauty is your success. And, you know, being content again, it's, it's so the man who has all of the monies, who goes on the boat ride, and you know, so if that is your success, and you have not attained that height, then you're not successful. So, but if being content, you know, having enough, Curtis Blow says, I don't want a lot, I just want enough. So why is it gotta be so damn tough? You know, that's the rhyme. You know, but if you have enough, although your enough could lead to having a lot and you're content with that, what, what, what is it that you're vividly imagined? What have you desired? What have you believed in? You know, has it come to pass? That's key. Have you been able to achieve those things that you set? Some will say you want to write out what you have, where you want to be, what to-do lists, and where are you on your to-do list of life or in life? How many? Are you sitting on number two out of your 20? So if you're number two on your 20, then you're below par. If you're five, if you're 10 over 20, yeah, if you're 11, then you see something. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's not even about what the next person says. But if you look, if, if there are yardsticks to measure within your peers, and you put yourself within that yardstick, and you feel that you've not gotten to where they are, then to you and to your peers, you're not successful. So I don't need them to validate my success. You know, as long as I'm alive now, and I'm useful to my family. I mean, like sometimes you know, I mean, uh, T, you know how it is in Africa, you know? If, if the basic bare necessities of life were handled by government, you know, we're not saying that we're socialists, but you see how it is in Africa, you know, where you have to generate power yourself, you have to buy generator, you have to do. So, so that's why when Africans go to Europe and America, they come out with first class, they come out with, because things by society there are a bit easy. The way we read here in Africa, is, it's, it's different from the way you guys are you know, taught to read and to pass. So when you leave Africa with the way we study and go to America and Europe to study, you see, we do exceedingly well. And that's why if you check the statistics in America as well, Nigerians in, uh, uh, in America are doing so well you know, forget that the media will give the other stories about, you know, the, the bad ones. So let's go back again to what you said before. So one, one minimal part is being used to assess and, you know, generalize the monumental people. So when a minimal minority is holding a monumental major majority to ransom, then we have an issue here. So success for me is what you desire in life. Have you attained it? If you have attained it, then you're successful. If not attained it, and you're looking forward to attaining that, then you're on the right track. But if you give up hope and die, well, I don't know where you're going to, so I don't know where that, but when they write your story, they might see you as not successful anyway, because you have already showed and made 
probably where you wanted to be. And a scale of one to 10, you're probably in number two. So success is not determined by what the next person wants of me. You know, it is the value chain which I add to myself and to my family. Okay. And now, so now that you've defined what success is, how can the rest of the Black community help our men, especially how can the rest of the Black community help the Black man reach his full potential? What are some things that you can think about? Because individually, we cannot do by ourselves. There is a saying in multiple African uh, communities, which translates to, if you take a broomstick by itself, it breaks. But when you combine the bundle, it's very resilient. So the growth of the Black community holistically is not the duty of just one person and one person cannot do it alone. We are together pieces and parts of this giant table or this giant um, architect architecture. And so there needs to be support systems, even the body, you have the bones, you have the skull, you have the, the, the skin, you have the skeletal system, you have muscles, everything just works in pieces and parts to, to, to reach its full potential or do what's supposed to do. So as black men, what can you say that the black community, and you can be specific with the people in the black community that you think, uh, and what you think they can do to help our black men reach their full potential? I think we have to um, learn to embrace our uniqueness and everybody's not going to be the same. You're not going to always see things the same way. We have to learn to agree to disagree. But our intent is, what are we trying to do? Um, institutions are very important to me. And the family is an institution. Our religious um, organizations are institutions. But they bicker amongst each other about what they believe. Young people are only a reflection of our dysfunctionality as adults. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, because children reflect the society at large. People are, you got churches who don't like each other and they're next door to each other. <laughs> this stuff is crazy. And you read it from the same book. Just because you interpret something differently or you can be in Islam or whatever. Our difference is what makes us unique. And to be able to, I may not have to agree with you, but we have a common cause. We have to save our young people. That's my charge. And to connect with young people, I mean, adults who have that same mission, particularly with black men, because we have to save these young black men who are under the illusion being a man is who you can hurt. And you can gang up on people. That's not what men do. So we have to start to identify each other. But first, we have to agree to disagree, embrace our uniqueness. People say differences. I say diff uniqueness because everybody's unique. And to, that takes courage to do that. I know everybody's not going to agree with me. That's fine. But I'm going to base on my work on integrity. I'm clear about what I want to do with identifying people to do that. But we have to build institutions because institutions outlive us. And it can't be centered around one person. That's why I think we got this leadership complex, the savior complex, because when that person is gone, then what did you do? But when you have institutions, institutions outlive us. We have to have those. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. Um, <clears throat> and that's why in Africa, um, leadership is a major uh, issue in terms of institutions and infrastructure, you know, because then um, leadership is a family idea as opposed to that of the state. And 
economic empowerment gains and having you know the strength economically it's 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 is a bundle like the broom you know that will sweep a whole lot of debt out of our our environment you know and empower everyone if that is very is if it is crystal and and if we have to talk about uh the may 1921 uh Tulsa Oklahoma massacre, you know, I mean, for those of us that have read history, and then you see that one of the things they undermined and they they strategically did was to make sure that that economic power ends. You know, so we have a lot of athletes that have money, you know, we have individuals that have money, you know, but collectively, like um, Douglas has said, the institution from media, you know, um, to community-based stuff. Once we know the bankable marketplace assets of who we are, it's, it's, it's economic power. You know, whatever it is, go to school, you know, if school is where you have to go. I know you have all of these disadvantages when you read in America. But here, here in Africa, sometimes, you know, we're now in an age where everything is here, you know, so why are we not digitizing our culture? Why are we not digitizing our space? Why are we not putting everybody to our own space? So why is it only, you know, why don't we have what is our, our own Facebook? Why don't we have our own Instagram? Why would not we have our own Twitter? And we have people that can do that. The templates are there. I mean, you can Google the templates. So you have to start. So we need, so I mean, we right now, all over the world, things are easy. Not like in a back in the day when they came with the ships to take us away. Now, yeah, we're there. They're Africans. African-Americans don't even know what part of Africa they come from. So you can't even rightly say that you're from Africa, so to speak. You understand? Because even when you come in here, we look at you as Americans. The way you speak, the Africans want your swag. But you have your tag, African-Americans, you know? But, yeah, once you come and you speak in, in that reach, you know, the American lingo, you know, gonna wanna wanna. I know, you know, all those stuff. So you impress, you impress some people with that, you know. And then for those who speak like that, mostly our own air personalities here, you know, because they work on radio, you know, they've gone for uh, locution classes, you know, or you were born abroad. You speak Africans. I love the way I speak anyway. Now, now they talk to Nana, they try to one do fun, and then they walk like that. But beyond that, <laughs> <laughs> but beyond that, economic power, it's key. Let the average black man, you know, let us know that from, from the onset. We don't need to steal. What are the structures that we grow wealth in our communities? What are the structures that we grow wealth in our societies? Once we are economically independent, trust me, nothing. That's what it is. And how did she say it? It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Okay. So pretty much um, the answer, what I'm deducing from the answers you both gave are two. 
acknowledge our differences and our uniqueness in those differences, agree to disagree and focus more on working together to build a sustainable economy that will keep the black community developing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, if there was one thing you would tell the younger men, because funny enough, when I asked the younger guys what success meant to them was like, literally, this was the response, making money. But that's, that's why so many people who have money are on drugs, antidepressants, committing suicide, I'm not saying yeah. the money's not bad, but just look at American society. Look at all the people on antidepressants who have money. Money can buy you happiness. Exactly. Happy. But money has to pay that bill now. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, go balance up. But again, <laughs> if but your bill is, is, if your income is $20, right? And you go and live where the bill is six hundred dollars. You said, check yourself. You, you, mm. you guess more sense now. <laughs> There's something wrong with your head. That's why. That's why I don't want to ask people. Hmm? I don't want to ask people about the other media, the rappers. It's about the money. You know, so that's that's what they've been indoctrinated with, and you dated with. That's what success is. But the average rapper don't last long. <laughs> They don't last past three or four years, but they don't know that aspect of it. You might have one hit, and then you're done. And then you're broke. Look at all the athletes who are broke, made all that money, and don't have money. They don't have it anymore. So, do you think it comes from... That's that's illusion. Do you think it comes from, like, having to feel the need to prove something based off of the deprivation that Black people especially had to face? Um... And I, I am aware that even in Africa, people showcasing money and stuff like that really was not a norm when I was growing up. Yes, I'm not that old, but it wasn't really the norm for people to be like, you know, just money, like, you know. But do you think that perhaps in America, after years and centuries of being deprived, when you come into your own financially, there's almost that need to prove that, okay, here I am. I will say, however, that um, a lot of the young people that I follow are actually talking more about financial literacy. I'm I'm seeing it more and more be a thing that's being talked about with with a young generation. Even my, my, my black young men and women, you see people trying to have seminars and webinars and educational uh, shindigs on financial literacy. So I'm seeing more and more that the younger people are becoming aware. But then again, do you think that need to show off is because of centuries and, you know, decades of a lack of? Well, let's be clear. Black people have money in this country. We will be one of the richest nations if we put our money together in the world. So we have the money. It's how we use our money. That's the issue. And you mentioned Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? When they bombed that black people, they had to kind of showboat what they had. We were we had pride in who we were, so we have trillions of dollars that we misuse that don't come back to our communities. We spend it with somebody else. That's the problem. Our money doesn't stay within the black community. If it changes hands once, twice, it's 
we're doing good. But for the most part, we give money, we give it to somebody else. So it's how we need to utilize our money. That's what we need to have that financial literacy that you're talking about. Because we have the money. What we're doing with the money is the issue. <clears throat> so the young, this generation, they want to impress themselves. They want to, you know, leave some, not all. I don't want to also generalize again. You know, like, but basically, you know, some people try to live a cosmetic life, you know, and that's why they go for surgery, you know, for some of them. And that's why they like to show, you know, with all of these things happening on TikTok or wherever, on Instagram, people leave some, not all, you know, right? Because we still know that it's still the minimal part again. But because that minimal part of the ones that keep pushing you know, themselves to have all of the followers, you know, to live a particular life. So you see that the flash plan always works in terms of cosmetics. So the makeup, you know, to cover the debt is what you see, not the debt itself, you know, and that, you know, predominantly is shown, you know, to you. And then what you now need to do is you want to do the copycat. You now want to look onto the next person to copy without getting your own beauty in place, you know? So, but again, you can also show your own beauty, your own culture with the same space. All you have to do is dependable marketing strategies, getting people together. Just like you said, you know, it's, it's the, the single stick of the broom won't do the best, but when you bunch it together, you can sweep well, you can do a whole lot together. So it's strategic. I just want to say, I recently read that there's a, a person who started in the Black Bank. That's what I'm talking about. We have to have our own financial institution. You know, most of us have banks that are not Black-owned. We need to have our own banks. That way we can pool our money together and then we can get the loans because we're denied loans based on our color. Yeah, so, you know, we have to have these things, these institutions. You know, I don't know much about... Uh, banks and you know i could talk about the theory of the harmony like you said but that's what it is you know we have to collectively do things together you know because see it's it's all it's all about strategy like you said i mean for you to go out um for the um not riots but then back in the civil rights movement they need to because they know where they're going to you have to understand if you're going out for a game and actually, I was just um, uh, the uh, the documentary it was a wonderful documentary on Chicago Bulls on Nef on Netflix. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I've just done season one, and it's amazing because you see that 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 era that won all through five games. It, the, it's a t it's team effort. When they stopped. You know, playing uh, Jordan as an individual, although he still had that magic to do that. But to see that it was the the collective team, you know, that made them constant. So teamwork is always key because once you know, the problem is we don't want to generalize again. But there's always something about, you know, how they talk about black person saying we won't get all of us. We get that problem anyway. So, but it's just understanding that we need, you know, like uh, Douglas has said, don't always take it out of the community. When you go out and make it, you show boats. You know, you want people to know that. But 
you're spending it somewhere else. And why are we not proud of our hair? How come even the weave bone or the crochet braids now that are brought? How many, how, how many Africans own the crochet braids that we wear? Most of the things for the African hair relaxers were not owned by Africans, you know, probably the Chinese or whatever. But you see that the market, predominantly, we were the ones that were paying for them. But even when you see Jamaica castor oil or whatever you saw the oil on it, trust me, there was nothing Jamaica about it in terms of where the money was going to. So that's it, you know. So when how do we own how do we own our markets? So that strategies, that's the job, you know, to do things together. It's going to take time, but once we keep doing what T is doing now on this podcast, it's this constant awareness. We need to we need to change our narrative. We need to push it, you know, so that we have this common knowledge that collectively we can do wonders. It's not enough to say, oh, Africa is the beginning of civilization. Oh, Egypt is blah. You know, we have wealth, you know. Then you have the Chinese coming in. You have the British struggling to come back to petition you again. Mm-hmm. So that's, 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 that's what we need to do. We need to understand that. Because once we identify the problem and, you know, come collectively, even in little bits, the same way you try to show your you know, on cosmetics and do what you have to do. And that's why, you know, the second brand. And the whole idea is if a dance called the tap starts from the plantation field for the African-Americans, you know, we're taking you back to Africa where we are telling our stories now. So how do we tell the stories from Africa? We need to digitize it. I mean, COVID is already, nobody's meeting anywhere. So what digital information do we have to put on the platforms that are available for people to see and read about what we have. So once there's a strategic plan like what you're doing now, when you push this uh, podcast, there's going to be a generation of people within your, your block that will either agree or disagree, but the information is out there. And when they pause and ponder you know, over what is being said and how you're marketing this composition, you're going to win more people positively on towing a line so that constructive um, um, way of doing things is what we desire, you know, amongst the black race, whether African-American or Africans, you know, particularly, you know, just for us, not to prove to anybody, but to harness what we have and grow our economy. Okay, so now if there was one thing you want people to take away from this conversation, you know, from your perspective, a man your age, your experience, your generation, if there's one thing you want the people to take away about what it is to be a man, um, what would that be? One is life is a journey. Invest in yourself with integrity and never let other people define you. But stand on your own terms, but do yourself a favor. They focus on yourself and cultivate that self-awareness spiritually. That's beautiful. Be, be grounded. And associate with people who have the, like minds, who have the same mission, very important. Me? Yes, you. <laughs> yeah, round of 
the greatest lie a man tells is when he tells himself a lie. Mm. So don't lie to yourself. You know, and they say, he who heeds the inner voice adjusts himself to love God. And that's why your conscience is there. You know, do it, don't do it. Do it, don't do it. You choose that which you want to do even when it is wrong to do. So once you heed the inner voice of wisdom to do that which is right, you know, exceedingly you, you become, you know, like you become at peace with yourself. So don't lie to yourself because once you lie, when you lie, you know you lie to yourself. And once you lie to yourself and try to live the lie, that's the greatest lie. And that's the damage that it is to you anyway. So for me, for you to be uh, the man that you should be, you know, don't lie. Okay. When you're caught lying, trust me, to undo that is such a crazy stuff. You know what it is? When you go somewhere and you know you're lying, you're telling yourself a lie, but you just assume that nobody knows the truth there. And then once you, they let you talk for hours on end and somebody just says, no, that's a bloody lie. You know how you feel? So don't lie. The worst is don't lie to yourself. So he did a voice to do that, which is right. And all of that shapes all of the conversations that we had this night. Yeah. Thank you both. And though I am not Thank a you. man, I don't identify as one. I would like to um, suggest this. So a miracle in the form of a gentleman recommended I watch this 12-minute video by Howard Thurman, which asked, what do you really, what do you want, really? And I actually watched it twice. So it's a recommendation that I would give to my men listening to this or anyone in general, because it gives you perspective. A lot of the things you guys talked about, there's a great difference between what you talked about versus the conversation I had with my younger men. And a lot of what you talked about really falls in line with the the 12 minute video that Howard Thurman goes into when he, in the video, which is titled, what do you want really? So I would recommend it. And even if any of you haven't seen it yet, um, you should watch it as well. He's, he just talks for 12 minutes about this. The, and the topic is what do you want really? But honestly, I'm so grateful that you were able to join me and I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me so we can inform a community about your perspectives. This way we can build awareness, empathy, and um, facilitates a better coexistent relationship within the Black community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye from Africa. And the reason I'm saying this is because there was a great difference between our conversation with our more mature men and the conversation with our young men. And that begs the question, what is the conversation going to be like when I have these two demographics on the podcast? Damn. Thank you. Thank you so much to Mr. Ibo and Mr. Douglas for gracing me with your presence on this podcast and this community series. I mean, the opinions and perspective has been so valuable and I know I've learned a lot. 
Even though I'm a woman, I've learned a lot from this men's series. I'm excited to put these guys and the young men on one stage. And honestly, I can't wait for when I get started with the women. <laughs> I'm personally biased. Because I'm a woman. But I'm so grateful that we had this chance to speak to them. Remember, I told you the community series has just started and I have a lot more in store for you. Thank you for being patient with me, you know, because it's been real. Adulting's been hard, but your girl's been doing stuff and so it's got to go on. But I'm here with you guys. I am loyal to you guys. And so no matter how long it takes, I will circle right back to you guys. A woman all again. Thank you for joining me. I will tee you later. Clink. He's lost. And bitterness.